until the Passover. That's John's way of saying that Jesus' death, the redemption of the new creation, is going to happen over a six-day period. You remember how the Gospel of John begins? Like the actual wording? In the beginning. Do you remember how Genesis begins? Same way. In the beginning. And then Genesis tells the story of creation over a period of time. Like the actual creation. You know, sky, water, giraffes, grass, all that. You know how long that took God, act of creation? Six days. And John begins this new story of the redemption of all the new creation with new words of the new creation. The way that John 12 begins in the Greek New Testament, like the actual words in Greek in order. Because what better thing to pull off at the beginning of a sermon when everyone is sleep deprived than a Greek lesson. So here's a Greek lesson. First two words of John 12 basically translate therefore. So just rather than fancy, just therefore, telling us that there is something happening, something changing, there's a shift, kind of a new story about to happen. The next word is Jesus. Therefore, Jesus. And then there's like a, a preposition that's tied later in the sentence, Greek syntax stuff. But then the next two words are hex, hemeron. So hex, you know, where we get the word hexagon, six days. Therefore, Jesus, six days. Thus begins the Jesus new creation. And this is where we begin. This is where we come into the story. John 12, the second half of the book, begins at Bethany. The same exact place where Lazarus was raised from the dead. Six days is this allusion to the new creation, but it's an allusion to the old creation too. Six days is there at the beginning of John 12 on purpose. It's not there by accident. It's John's way of telling us, just like John begins in the beginning in John 1, well, we've got another new beginning happening, this new creation that is about to take off. And the fact that it happens right after Lazarus, and then this new creation happens in the same place that the Lazarus story happens, is a way of telling us, look, everything that you experienced in John 1 through 11, in book 1, you're going to get to experience again in book 2. Because most of the people who heard the story of John already pretty much knew the story. They may not have known the details, and they may not have, have listened to it in its entirety, but they knew the basic story. And so John, in 1 through 11, begins at creation, goes to the Lazarus story, ends with a resurrection. Well, 
second half of the book, because again, this is John that we're talking about, starts with a creation, and he has already told us how the book is going to end. It's going to end the same way book one ended, with a resurrection. And that resurrection will be a sign of the new creation. John 12 and 13 is on Saturday and into Sunday. And then Jesus is going to die on a Friday, rise again on a Sunday, right around the same period that it took God to create the whole wide world. Jesus talks almost nonstop from John 12 through 17. So at the beginning of John 12, we enter the last week of Jesus' life, and we go through six days. You have six days left. What's it going to be? What are you going to do? What are you going to say? What would you tell people if you knew you have six days left? How would you spend your time? Who would you talk to? What would you tell them? Six days. It's not that what Jesus says at the end of his life is more important than anything that he said prior, but John, if you noticed, gave a lot less attention to Jesus' teaching in John 1 through 11 than the other gospel writers do. It's built around miracles. It's built around the actions of Jesus. And yeah, Jesus says things, but did you notice in John 1 through 11 that the things that Jesus says, especially in, you know, once we get into his life, start suddenly getting very mysterious? And that it's almost like Jesus speaks in code language in John 1 through 11, which, you know, sounds more like the sequel of John. Sequel being the book of Revelation. So when Jesus speaks in John 12 through 17, and for our sermon today, specifically from John 12 through 13, we need to lean forward a little bit to listen. It's not that he's just suddenly stopped being mysterious. There's some mysterious stuff in there, but also some things that are quite clear. Things that you don't really have to say, well, what did he mean by that? Those are the ones that might should get our attention today. For example, a new command I give you Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The part of me that wants to ask questions wants to ask Jesus, no, wait, this isn't a new command. This is probably one of the oldest commands. What do you mean by new command? Well, I think it has something to do with new creation. We'll get there eventually. But at the same time, whenever Jesus says, love one another, 
and everybody is going to know that you actually follow me if you love one another. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, well that one's pretty straightforward. Love each other. Let's pray together. We give thanks that we get to be your new creation, Lord Jesus. In your name we ask that you make us new creations of your love. Amen. What if everything about the future of what the church today and tomorrow rests on is what we do in this place? At bearing, like I'm talking us right now. It sounds pretty wild, right? It actually wouldn't be the first time. Long after John told these stories to countless crowds, and generation after generation, John eventually died. I wonder sometimes about the day that the churches in Ephesus and Smyrna and a few others found out that John died well into his 90s, how they must have looked at each other and said, well, now what are we going to do? You know, what are we supposed to do now that John, the beloved disciple who told us all these stories and who has basically brought us to where we are right now in our faith, what are we supposed to do now that he's gone? I bet that some people in that conversation might have even said, should we keep doing this? Should we continue now that John is gone? And I can't help but wonder that some of these outposts of the kingdom of God that were so far away from one another, isolated, uh, far away from any other people who followed Jesus, who felt very alone at the time, may have actually considered that question not only should we keep going, but how in the world are we going to survive without this direct connection to Jesus? How could we possibly stay alive without someone telling us what we are supposed to do? You know, because my guess is that some of these churches probably got pretty dependent upon John. You know... John will tell them a story about Jesus. Well, what did Jesus mean by that? And you say, well, you know, that was the day that, you know, we were walking along the side of the Sea of Galilee, and, you know, Jesus, you know, who knows what happened. But they kept going. Around that time, a younger man named Polycarp may have been the one to help them answer that question, especially since after things started to come together in the second century, Polycarp became the bishop of Smyrna, which is one of the seven churches listed in Revelation 2 and 3. But you know, Polycarp eventually was executed somewhere around the 150s to 160s, which I'm guessing that many of the churches around Smyrna might have said around the 150s and 160s, well, what are we going to do now that Polycarp is dead? 
back then, they did what we do. They kept going. They kept the faith. They told the eternal story as the eternal people of Jesus. You have six days before the cross. Do you really want to spend that time worrying about what's going to happen on day five and then day four and then day three? Is that how you would spend your last six days? Well, I know that things are going well on day six, but no telling what it's going to be like by the time we get to day two. That's how you're going to spend six days? Six days, that's all you have. And you would spend it thinking about what is going to happen. And you know what happens? when you have you, ever, have you ever done that? Just like in real life? where you're worried about what's going to happen on Wednesday or Thursday or two weeks from now. So you know what I'm talking about, right? Like you've actually done that. You know what happens when you realize that you're doing that? You realize that you're missing what's happening right now, what's right before us. I mean, all you got to do if you're kind of stuck in that mode, because Again, I know, we're, we're realistic about this. Sometimes we get stuck in that mode. You know what happens if we're stuck in that mode right now? We could actually risk missing what is going on at this very moment, which is proclaiming the promises of God to redeem all of creation, and we actually get to be a part of it at this moment. You are surrounded right now, whether you are here at this particular outpost of the kingdom of God, whether you're here for the very first time or you've been here for, how long has church been around, 60-something years? If you've been here for 70-something years, anywhere in between that point, first day, all your life, you are surrounded right now by a whole lot of love. And you would miss that? Because you're worried about what's going to happen on Tuesday? Now, again, I know I'm supposed to be preaching from John, but Jesus said something in the Sermon on the Mount that's really important at this, mo at this moment. The stuff about, why are you worried about tomorrow? Let tomorrow take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. John didn't write that down. He should have, but he didn't write that one down. But it really goes with this. Six days. Six days. Wouldn't it be good stewardship of this gift that we call life to focus on who we are as the people of the new creation. Shouldn't we be spending all of our time living and telling the eternal story that begins this way? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And you know how that story ends? 
with a resurrection of a man in Bethany. Then book two begins. Six days before the Passover. Literally, therefore, Jesus, six days. And that story ends with a resurrection as well. John 12 through 17 is one long preparation for Jesus' death and our commitment to join Jesus in the work of the new creation. So here's a preview of things to come. I said that John 12 through 17, Jesus talks almost nonstop. It is arguably the longest single collection of Jesus' words in one place. Okay? So John 17 is the long prayer. It's the longest prayer that we have recorded of Jesus. But it's kind of it's it's private. It feels very private. Right before that happens, right before. Jesus goes and prays this long prayer that actually names us, by the way, and we'll get to that in weeks ahead. But right before that prayer is the very end of John 16. John 12, therefore, Jesus, six days. End of John 16. The last public thing that Jesus says is this. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. What if the entire future of following Jesus in the whole wide world depends on what we do in this place Sunday after Sunday? Six days before the Passover. And after all, what was the Passover other than a saving, a rescue, a salvation? You know the line from the song that goes, Jesus sought me when a stranger? What if a stranger came up to you and said, I'm here to save you? Perfect stranger. They're a stranger, you're a stranger, we're both strangers, and they came up and say, I'm here to save you. What would you say? What would be your response? Probably the first response wouldn't be, great. It would probably be, who are you? And you're going, I don't need saving. I'm fine. And then they say, I'm here to give you life. What are you going to say to that? I don't need you to give me life. I've already got life. got a good life. You see, this isn't going to happen overnight. And this isn't going to happen with one conversation. Light that shines in the darkness. Jesus said the following things over the weekend before the cross, and we need to listen. John 12, 35, then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. 
The one who walks in the dark does not yet know where you are going. Put your trust in the light while you have it, so that you may become children of light. And then verse 44. When you believe in me, you do not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When you look at me, you see the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Do you ever feel darkness? You don't have to stay there. But you can't do it alone. You need this community of faith, and you need the work of Jesus. Old Danish philosopher said, back in the mid-1800s, we need an injection of grace to be who we are. In order to be who Jesus is making us, this new creation, and it is going to take at least six days. But what if six days from now you wake up completely brand new? You know what? I'm not saying what you would want to say. I'm going to tell you what I would say if I was sitting where you're sitting right now and some preacher said, what if six days from now you'd be made brand new? You know what I would say to that? If I was sitting where you're sitting, I'd say, fat chance. Because that's what I would say. That's not what you would say. That's what I would say. Or because I was at church, I might be a little more delicate, and I might say, eh, I doubt it. Or I wish... And then maybe I'd sit there a little bit longer and I would say, well, maybe? What if? What if six days from now I woke up and all the work of the new creation had finally come together? Six days? Sixty years? What's the difference? As long as God is at work, then God is at work. Who's to say that our entire lives may not be one big celebration of this new creation? One Sunday after Sunday, ongoing, Houston-based, world without end. May the Lord be gracious unto you and give you peace.